This is Two Beer Marketing, a series from Open Box Strategies about the challenges and triumphs of website design and online marketing. We're taking the hassle out of connecting with your audience online, all while enjoying our favorite beers. So pop a cold one and join us for this Two Beer Marketing podcast. So there's headphones there. I don't think I Do I need to hear myself? No. If, okay. we'll, we'll bark at you if you have to get close. Oh, thank you. you. <laughs> Judy Murphy of Murphy Associates knows marketing inside and out. She's not a snake oil salesman, chilling the latest and greatest methods and techniques. No, she'll tell you what works, keep you on task, and help coach business owners to success through a holistic, cohesive approach to marketing. She joined us in our studios last week to talk about her company's signature 27 Rules of Marketing, the importance of consistent branding, and she even shared the one thing any entrepreneur should do when starting up a company. Today we have, from Murphy Associates, the uh, iconic in, uh, <laughs> in Milwaukee circles, Judy Murphy. Judy, thanks for coming out today, and thanks for uh, indulging in an afternoon Stella Artois. Hey, there's nothing like a great beer at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> That's <Sorry>. right. <laughs> Marketing is what you do, and you've been doing it for a while, and so you, you know the ropes. And... Um, with that in mind, I think the, the easy question would be, what's changed? Well, you know, we only have a half hour or so to talk. So given everything that has been in flux, especially with, with online marketing changing the game a little bit, what has stayed the same? What has stayed the same for successful marketing is consistency and giving it time. Even with social media, You have to give it a little time to work. Don't do a brochure and make one mailing and then sit back and wait for your phone to ring because it's not going to. Now you take your time and you have to think in terms of how am I going to address Facebook? How am I going to address Twitter? Uh, What the heck does my LinkedIn profile look like? And you had Sue Gresham last week and she knows all about that. And... um, um, Strategy hasn't changed much. There's different marketing channels now. That's pretty much it. But I go back to consistency, and you have to give it time. And time means dollars. So, Judy, I want to talk about our very first one-on-one meeting that we had. Uh, We sat down, and you actually, after the meeting, gave me, you sent me in the mail, uh, your 27 laws of marketing. And I was just curious how that came about? How did you develop this? And how are you continuing to use these 27 laws? Because I thought it was an awesome idea. Well, let me give you a little bit of my story. Um, I'm a wife, mother, five sons. Uh, I'm here to tell you there's life after. (laughs) 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 Um, Married to uh, a corporate exec. We moved around the country. He was with companies like Ford, Lincoln, Xerox, Rex Nord. We moved a lot. He was in mergers and acquisitions, marketing, strategic planning. I got really interested in what he did. He liked it a lot, and it involved a lot of work with people. When we moved here, he had a job with Rex Nord. Rex Nord was acquired. The job was gone, and so he decided to start Murphy Associates. And Murphy's Laws of Marketing came about from the reactions he got to prospects and clients when he would start talking about marketing and their questions were always why he simply said one time that he was kind of tired of answering that all the time so he started putting murphy's laws of marketing together the first one which i think now should be the last one 
and the last one is the first one. The first one is marketing is not the same as sales. People confuse the two. Marketing locates the chicken coop, sales negotiates and brings out the eggs. He started putting these together and then as I had an early on interested in marketing, I uh, have a degree from UWM in educational psychology, which has come in very handy <laughs> in marketing. But I worked for entrepreneurs. I worked for a lot of entrepreneurs. Then I continued to add to these as we went over the years. And finally, about 10 years ago, we wound up with 26 and started publishing them. And what we did with them is use them as a marketing piece. Another thing, too, is it hits that education thing. Uh, in other words, no, Murphy's Law, the marketing number 20, track where your leads come from so you know what to do more and less of. I mean, simple things like that uh, because we'd run into companies that didn't track their leads. They had no idea where their business came from, just that they were so excited to get business. We'll take it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you mentioned just now education, and that strikes me because that, I think, is, is one of those other constants in marketing is you have to, what it does is establishes you as an authority and it might pique some interest. And, you know, when it comes to social media marketing, we talk about a lot of times 80-20 or the 90-10 rule. Participate in the discussion four-fifths of the time. Right. And then the other part are those directs call to action. But most of the time, you have to be producing things that your, your target market is going to be interested in in the first place. That's very true. And I think this does a very good job of that for people who need help with marketing. You know... And it's pretty simple. It's yeah. pretty. Most well, of these a, things are such common sense. We'll, have to, we'll put a picture up online. It's a, it's a eight and a half by eleven folded in half on cardstock. Yeah. With twenty six great tips on it. Yeah, and printed with a beautiful red color on it. You know. right. <laughs> red and black are our colors, but it's it's just plain simple. If I can help somebody, even if they don't come on board as a client, I've walked into places where they're not clients and they've got them tacked on the wall over their desk and stuff yeah. like that. And that, to me, is great. I think that's what kind of makes it really unique is the fact that it is so, in a sense, obvious. But it's just the stuff that you don't think about when you're running your business and you're doing all these other things. You have to be reminded of these things that should be obvious, but they're not necessarily. We live in a pretty fast-paced world. I don't know when anybody in this room gets a lot of sleep. I don't either. But... We do need reminding. We need reminding a lot of things. And um, if, if we just take two seconds and look at one a day, I, I put them out on social media once a week, usually Monday mornings, I get a lot of comments, which is really, really nice. So that tells me they're effective. So one thing that I run into a lot of times, as you mentioned, is people think there's just a simple fix for marketing. They can yeah. just do one thing and that's kind of the end of it. They don't realize that it's an investment and it takes time to kind of cultivate this marketing atmosphere and do different the, all these different strategies to actually get them going. What do you say to business owners or anybody in marketing who is just looking for that simple fix? It doesn't exist. It simply doesn't exist. I think in many ways people in my business have done a disservice to businesses out there because we haven't properly educated business owners. Also, the school system hasn't, the universities haven't, uh, spouses haven't. Every, and, you know, as we go farther and farther along in life, everyone seems to want a quicker fix, a quicker response, and um, you can sometimes get a quick response. Uh, it may not be the response you want, though. Do you think that has anything to do with, with 
how the internet has made so many of these tools free. So if I can do Facebook and it doesn't cost anything to set up, why am I going to pay somebody? Why would I pay somebody to do my website? Why would I pay somebody to do my brochure? Because Murphy's Law, number 15, says, for most business owners, the first dollar spent on marketing should be for a graphic designer and a professional writer. You can't afford to look like you can't afford it. You can't <laughs> afford to look like you can't afford it. And that's great for businesses starting out and those who've been around for a while and that's still don't right. have a logo. Yeah, what's with that? <laughs> I, well, you're telling me. And people have been, organizations who have been even fairly successful, they'll put their logo in Times New Roman in the upper left corner. You know, <laughs> at least it's not in Comic Sans. <laughs> Comic Sans is the, the bane of the existence of the design. We can all agree about that, yeah. It's good. Um, you know, that's really funny because um, the importance of looking like you're a solid entity that you have credibility are so important and you gain those things by developing a brand and a brand consists of just what you're talking about including how you behave how your employers react and things like that my brand is interesting because i'm a solopreneur or an entrepreneur you know single person and my brand and murphy associates brands are almost identical they are I'm going to be redundant. Their consistency, they are integrity. Uh, as in, if I can't, if I don't think I can help someone, I'll say so. I might send them to someone that might be a competitor at fifty percent with me. Sure. Uh, just so the customer gets taken care of. But um, you've got to have your brand. You have to speak in your own voice. I can't be your voice. I can't write your stuff for you. You have to write your stuff. In your own voice and um, I can edit I can tweak I can do all that but if it's not you it's not you when you're calculating your marketing return on investment mm -hmm. is there is there a magic for I've read four to one if you're gonna do a, a radio buy or if yeah. you're gonna invest every uh, dollar on social media should bring in eight in revenue whatever it is I'm sure it depends by industry but when you're when you're calculating how much to invest in it where does that come from well, number one, it has to come from your marketing budget. Right. You'd be amazed at how many companies don't have marketing budgets. You'd be amazed at how many companies don't have marketing plans. You'd be amazed at how many companies don't have business plans. It's scary. But for ROI, when I do a lot of public relations work, when I do press releases and things like that, those are easy to measure because all you have to do is throw some Google Analytics on the company and the press release, and you can see how it's doing. Mm -hmm. And so that is really good for a business owner because they can at least see that. A lot of marketing's returns are about time. You may not hear something for the first press release. You may not hear something for... Uh, a networking event, you may not hear back from anyone from another press release, another networking event, um, going to a workshop, handing out brochures, giving your business cards. And then what happens over time, again, people say, oh, yeah, I've heard about Openbox. And when you get that, that's good. Now, that's hard to measure. 
and you can do a lot of statistical stuff about filling your sales funnel and all that sort of stuff. Um, my clients work with me almost on a trust basis okay. because of my experience. <laughs> they kind of know it's going to happen. Um, my results for one client were uh, a press release on the fact that she had been named president of the Wisconsin region for her company. Um, it didn't hurt that she had a great headshot. And her response was because of the combination of the press release and the headshot, she got published everywhere. Hmm. I mean, everywhere there was a place to be published, she was in. Her results were that because of that, she got more incoming emails and phone calls and business by April of that year than she had the previous entire year. It also let her competition know she was pretty good because of being pictured everywhere. It was excellent. And it just raised the awareness of her. People then began to know her name and her company name. And that's, I mean, that's great, but it's awful hard to measure and yep. put a dollar sign on it. So then when you had mentioned uh, establishing a marketing budget, when you determine how much you're going to allocate into marketing, do you look at a percentage? Is it, if we get, whether it's, whether we make a $10,000 in revenue yeah. or 50, we're going to take 12% of that. We're going to take eight. Is that how you go about it? Or do you look at other it factors? It is. Anywhere between five and 10%. Okay. And it depends on the um, company's history, its revenue, um, what its projections are. You know, you're not going to use it. I was going to say, you're not going to use it for marketing when you have to pay your staff. Right. But maybe you should and eliminate one staff. <laughs> you know. <laughs> those are the hard questions yeah. that it's really hard for a business owner to put money into marketing a lot of times because it is an investment. How do you get businesses to basically go all in and kind of say, I actually do need to spend money on marketing? Um, a lot of it is talking to them about some of my clients who have really good experiences and making them available for a phone call. Refer, reference, just, case study. Just so that they can chat with another business owner. I, again, I will say over the last bunch of years since the recession and even now, we have a lot of people who lost their jobs, cashed in their 401ks, and bought a franchise. Mm -hmm. They think they would have everything they needed, and they find out they don't all the time and many of them expect that their uh, corporate headquarters will provide them with all their marketing all their stuff like this you know and yes they do but the franchisee doesn't know what to do with it mm -hmm. and so over the last couple of years I've picked up I now have eight clients on Blue Mountain Road that are franchises and you can find me in their back room with them on their computers accessing the, the mothership <laughs> and um, seeing what's available for them to adapt to the market and use. And for that, I give them a discount, if you will, because we've got stuff to use. We just have to adapt it. We don't have to write it, you know, and, and design it and things like that. But, again, the owners of the companies have a lot of problems with, because they were employees before, they don't know anything about running a business. We actually run into that. We've had a couple of restaurant franchisees where they have that same thing. They can get, they have access to graphics and all this other different mm -hmm. stuff, 
they literally they know who to call and that's about it they don't know what they should be doing they have no absolutely no strategy no idea in place and they're just they can get some of this stuff for free it's part of their included in their franchise fee and they just don't know where to even start and take advantage of it yeah it's difficult we i think as a country we don't do enough to educate people about running businesses Mm. um i'm running one now my husband's retired and I'm running one, and I know about accounting and all this other stuff that I'd rather not do. So I hire someone to do it, you know, yeah. and that's what I do. But it has to be done. People don't know about cash flow. No clue about cash flow. Cash flow to them is a checkbook balance. Right. And that's really hard. And so the ability to be able to pro- project out your revenue for a bunch of months is huge. Especially when you're getting started, when you don't know if you're going to have a, if you, you might have a, that happened to us early on, and more so it was just me, you have a gangbusters month, and you go, all right, this is the new normal for us, mm-hmm. and then three months later, <laughs> you get a tenth of that, and you go, well, <laughs> so much for that. Yeah. Um, it, does that, is that part of your consulting, is helping them see that bigger picture and how the marketing fits into it, or do you focus just on marketing strategies, not so much business, general business? I many times turn into a coach. Okay. Um, I have one client um, now where he is, he's fabulous, and we meet once a month, And but on Friday he sends me his sales activity for the past week. I look it over. Is he making his numbers? Is he making his calls? Is he making his estimates? Is he doing his stuff? And what it turned out to after the original uh, consultation for marketing and things like that was that I'm simply holding him accountable. And he realized he need that. He bought a franchise Mm -hmm. and had some problems with the home office. And so basically we strategized. I put him together with um, another person here in town who could do some work for him so he could be out in the field it was someone I knew, and uh, so they're working together, and now he's doing actually very well and stuff. But so it kind of evolves into almost a coaching. Sure, helping people keep that perspective. Yeah. One thing I thought was interesting on your LinkedIn profile, you talk about just that, is connecting people to achieve a goal. And I think that's fairly unique, and it's really putting to practice what we talked about last week with building your network on, on LinkedIn with Sue. Um, talk a little bit about how that evolved and whether that was natural. You're a very personable person, and so you can easily engage with these people. So how did you find a niche in, in being a facilitator of these relationships? You know, that's a very interesting question. Over the years, I've belonged to different organizations. I've met a bunch of just quality people, people who are all about, uh, how can I help you? as opposed to buy my stuff. One place I worked, um, and this is before I came to Murphy Associates full-time, was at a company called Techstar. And it was funded by the state and the five local universities. And our mission was to start, grow, and sell biotech companies. We got an influx of cash and then had to use it like a debit card because that's all the cash we were getting. There were three of us. And so we were in the halls of the Medical College, Market University, MSOE, UWM, and Gateway. And once you start meeting with the then head of Marquette, Father Wild, once you start meeting with Herman Beats at MSOE, and they return your calls, you start meeting other people. 
So uh, in those three and a half years, we started a bunch of companies that have been grown, staff grown and uh, sold. Very early on, I worked for uh, an entrepreneurial physician, and in the eight years I worked for him, we started three companies and sold them. Were they medical-related or just? Medical-related. Okay. But uh, one of them was a company called Sammy, and it was the um, right when the feds mandated um, drug testing for the trucking industry. So we started this company because the doctors saw an opportunity, and we sold our drug testing services to every trucking company in the U.S., so is that where the relationships come in? Because when you're starting out and you, if you're, if you're young, like I was 24 when I signed papers to start Openbox and I knew better than everybody else and that's why I wasn't going to work full time at another company. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't have that network to lean on. So if somebody's taken that plunge early on and, and they don't have a network of people to get them introduced, do you not start a company if you don't have that network? Or no. what does your marketing and sales mix look like when you're going into it brand spanking new without reputation and necessarily a track record. What you need to be doing is you need to be having an advisory board for your company, just like public companies have boards of directors. Um, I do that. I have people who are very willing to work on advisory boards for startups. They're willing to do it free. It's people I've met over the years who I know well and that would like your company, mm -hmm. or maybe this isn't a good fit. But what I do is you have an interview process, and you can interview. You need disinterested professionals on your advisory board. From a financial standpoint? From any standpoint. Okay. They, they, have, um, they don't know you to begin with. Okay. You know, they're coming from their profession and their expertise. So they're going to come and talk to you like a good old dad. Yeah, they're not going to pull any punches, right? <laughs> or a good old mom, yeah. you know, and right. say, you know, are you doing this? Have you thought of this? You know, and basically what they'll do for a startup is hold you accountable. Okay. There's also business coaches in the area. One of my big clients is Action Coach of Elm Grove. We took them to where people know who they are. They just... Um, Last month, won Global Firm of the Year at the Global um, Conference in Bali wow. for Action Coach. Um, uh, they're terrific with startups. They have a, a group program to put the owners through that just takes you into every area. I don't mean to do a commercial for them, <laughs> but they're that good. And, um, and I don't say that just because they're a client. They um, are that good. Because of you, of course. No. <laughs> no, actually, I, I was with them early on, and we grew them to the point where people knew who they were, awesome. which was just great. And you've said that a few times, people knowing who you are. Is that how you would quantify a successful marketing campaign in, in the broadest of terms? Mm -hmm. People know who you are.